0: Amen. Wow. Thank you, worship team. We are extremely blessed. Amen. 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 Well, it is good to see you all this beautiful morning. And let me just say to you, good morning. Good morning. Now, I know it's cold outside, but it's not snowing, so that's good. Uh, The fall is not hindering our day today. Um I want to I want to say really quickly before we we jump in I, I realize that we've not talked about our our vision and mission statement much recently and so I don't want us to forget about what it is that God has called us as a church to be and as we're going through this stone if you could come help me I asked stone to help me with something don't be distracted by, by the man behind the curtain all right so if you could pull out your your bulletin if you have it with you if not that's okay um I would like for us to read together again our mission and vision statement. I think it's important that we keep this fresh in our minds. As a church, what is it that we are seeking to do and be? What is God calling us to do and to be together? So if you would pull out that bulletin and just read it with me, Uh, sometimes it can be hard. I'll go slow so we can read it all together. All right? Three, two, one. Aspiring to proclaim the gospel, to be a refuge... And to restore our relationships with God and others. Amen. We want to be about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. We want to be a church that is a refuge and that helps to restore broken relationships between man and man and woman and woman and man and woman and man and and the Lord and the woman and the Lord as well. We want to restore those. We want to be a place that is safe. And you know, along that theme, last night we had a really fun time. In, in the book of Nehemiah, after the wall is built, there's a huge party because the work of God had been done. And so every time we do something as a church, I think that it is important that we celebrate that together. And so last night we saw about 40 kids that came in our doors and we had a lot of fun. They played hard and some of them were crying because they didn't want to leave. I mean that's, that's incredible, all right? And so if we could just, before we even clap for that, we had so many volunteers who worked so hard and diligently yesterday so if we could celebrate them as well as celebrate the evening together as a church let's just give a round of applause for the lord it was it was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun I got to put my youth pastor hat back on again and I was playing games with the preteens. Uh, also, I want to remind us that a couple of folks have come up to me the last couple of weeks about getting baptized. I know about 2 weeks ago I talked about the importance of baptism about you know, understanding our death and resurrection along Jesus, along with Jesus. So if you have been uh, expressed a desire for baptism, man, it doesn't matter that we had one just a couple months ago. Let's do it again. If you feel that call on your life, my email Email is right in the bulletin. Email me today and say, you know what, let's do this thing and we'll set up a time for baptisms to celebrate our new life in the Lord. It's an important part of of the church and it actually is a symbol of church growth. What God is doing, not just numerically, but inwardly inside of our people to have a passion to share the gospel through their baptism. And finally, I just want to say thank you for being here this morning. Let's pray, and we will jump right into the Word. And, and if you can't preach after that worship set, something's wrong. So I might be a little bit more excited, and I might, you know, it's just going to be great. God is, God is good this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you do, all that you have done in our lives. God, we are extremely blessed that you would choose to die for us. God, that's, that to me is still absurd, as, as Phil had said. God, it makes no sense, but the Holy Spirit makes it make sense in our lives. And so, God, I pray that truth will go deep into our lives this morning. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will ignite our hearts and our ears to hear what you have for us. And Spirit of the living God, give me the ability to speak your words. May may we, as we look to the Scriptures, seek transformation, not just education, so that each and every one of us will walk away from this day, this place, changed. Holy Spirit, I pray for that. And I don't think that's too audacious of a prayer. I think that's the type of prayer you would ask us to pray. And so I pray that now in your name. Amen. Amen. Some of you may not know, uh, I'm a cat person. Okay, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a dog person. I don't mind dogs, but I just don't want to have a dog because they're a lot of work. And those of you who have dogs, God bless you because you do a lot of work for your dog. Well, Hillary and I, we have two cats. And, you know, some of you say, well, what are your cats' names? And it's kind of embarrassing because I love A.W. Tozer, and I named one of my cats Tozer. All right? Yeah. Amen. The other one's name is, is Onyx. And let me just give you a little bit of a, 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 trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Let me just give you a little bit of a description about my two cats. Onyx, she's one of those cats that you never have to give a bath to because she keeps herself so clean. In fact, she bites her nails to clean her nails. I mean, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous watching this cat, how cleanly she is. Now, her brother Tozer is the exact opposite, right? He doesn't care if he's dirty. He doesn't care at all. He'll walk around the house with his paws dirty and he'll get everything everywhere and he's just a hot mess of a cat. Now, when it gets really bad, you have to bathe a cat. And I don't know how many of you have ever tried to bathe a cat, but it's not fun. And Tozer's a fat, strong cat. All right. I mean, he's a difficult cat to even pick up, much less try and hold down and bathe. Well, the other day I actually had to bathe this cat. And I had to pick him up and I had to shove him down in the water. And you're holding him and you're trying to wash him with the soap. And no one's helping me because everyone's afraid that they're going to get scratched. Okay, And everyone's watching, you know, Liam and MJ. They're like, oh, Dad, you're doing a great job. Yeah, just do that. Do that. And I'm holding him down and he just does not want to be washed. He keeps trying to jump out of the tub and it's really, really Frustrating, but this cat needed to be clean. And you're wondering, why in the world would you share that story? Hopefully you're asking that question, and here's the answer: Because you and I, we need cleaned, and we sometimes act like tozer. We can be cats when it comes to getting clean by the Lord. He has a desire to clean us and clean our hearts. And it can be a difficult task for him sometimes where he has to hold us down and we're trying to jump out of the tub. But the Lord wants our hearts to be washed and clean. That's the desire of the Lord. That is a a heart cry of the Lord is to see our hearts washed and clean. And we all, if we sat down and were completely honest with one another, we could say, you know what, yeah, my heart... Needs to do with a cleansing. I've been walking around like your fat, strong cat Tozer with a little bit of dirt upon me, and I need to be clean, but it's difficult sometimes, because when we see the water, we react, and we say, no, I don't, I don't really want to go in the water, But we must, and today we're going to be talking about the cleansing of our heart. Now you're going to look at the story and say, where are you getting that? But trust me, as I prayed, I felt like this is where God was directing me, because this is one of those narratives in the Gospels that can be looked at from many different facets. And there are so many different things that the Scripture can teach us. And maybe you've read the Bible over and over and over again in your life, and God brings something new. I hope that He brings something, and I trust that He brings something new. Charles Spurgeon once said this, when the heart is washed, the dirt is taken from the mental eye. The heart that loves God is connected with an understanding that perceives God. If you and I want a deep relationship, here's what Spurgeon is saying, if we want a deep relationship with God, we have to allow him to wash our hearts. Will we? And this passage of Scripture, I believe, answers the question, how can we allow Jesus to cleanse our hearts? How can we allow Jesus to cleanse our hearts? So we're going to be looking at John chapter 2. I know we've been in this this book for two months already, and we're not even done with chapter 2 yet. I love exegetical preaching. It's fun. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. This is the word of the Lord. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that what he had said. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Wow, this is a powerful passage. It's an exciting passage full of energy, full of of passion. And Jesus was not going to to go lightly in this story. He did not take it lightly on the people that he was spent saw doing all of these different things. You see, it was the time of Passover, and verse 13 says the Passover of the, Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. It was, supposed, it was supposed to be done by every faithful Jew to go to Jerusalem during the Passover. And so you can imagine one city who's just compounded and full and packed full of people. And Jesus spent time, he went there, and he went to the temple courts. Jesus was being the Jew that he needed to be. The law did not control him, but he also followed the law as a devout Jew. And so there he was in a packed city. And so there wasn't a small group of people who saw this story unfold. Everyone who was everyone was there watching this huge story unfold in the lives of Jesus, the disciples, and all of the money changers there as well. This place was packed. And it is here that we find Jesus in Jerusalem. So how do we allow Jesus to cleanse our hearts? I think the first thing that you and I can look at here is that you and I must look for the areas in our lives that hinder his work. Look for the areas in our lives that hinder his work. As Jesus stepped into the temple, he found these guys doing something deplorable. You see, originally the money changers and those folks, they were not in the temple at all. They were across the street and they didn't exploit people. It was a time of convenience. These guys were there originally when it began to help those who traveled from far distances. Because if you're a, right, a righteous Jew, an upright Jew, you would come into Jerusalem. Some people would live so far away that they couldn't bring their sheep or their oxen. And so they would buy their sheep and their oxen from the money changers and the oxen and sheep sellers there in Jerusalem. But something had changed over time where these guys, these men, began to exploit the people who were coming in, right? They thought to themselves, well, if they need to come in, man, an oxen costs maybe, you know, 250 bucks. Now that's not True, but just go with me. right An oxen costs 250 bucks, but these guys, they really, really want to follow the law, and so we're going to sell this oxen for a1,000 dollars so that they can do what they were called to do, but we're going to make so much money. And then they moved themselves into the temple courts, and that was a no-no. They were not to do that. They were not supposed to be in that space. But they put themselves there, and they were exploiting folks. Pigeons. The reason why that's important is because they were exploiting the poor. Pigeons were those uh, were those sacrifices that only the poor the poor would go for because they couldn't afford oxen or sheep, and so they were allowed by law to purchase pigeons. Well, you know, you're going to exploit the poor, saying, "Yeah, a pigeon." cost five dollars but for you today because you need this right now I'm going to sell it to you for a hundred dollars so you can imagine why Jesus was frustrated and that Greek word for found can also be to purposely find I I fully believe that Jesus knew what he was doing as he entered into the temple courts. I don't think that he was thinking, okay, I'm going to go and give this sacrifice. I believe that he was filled with righteous anger with his disciples at his home. And he said, you know what? I know what's going on there and I am going to do and say something about it. So he purposely found these men and what they were doing. And so for you and I to cleanse our heart, Jesus was cleansing the temple, but he also wants to cleanse our heart. And so we need to look for the areas in our lives that hinder his work. What are those things in your life that are like the tables on the temple courts? What are those things in your life that are hindering his work in your life? As Spurgeon said, we need to have a clean heart so we can have a deep heart relationship with the Lord. What are those things that are blocking you from a deeper relationship with Jesus because there are things that are hindering you? One other thing to note is that our sin can stymie and spoil the hearts of others. Our sin can stymie and spoil the hearts of others. You see, this idea of these areas that are hindering God's work, anything that goes against God, my friends, is sin. Sin. And so there is sin in my life and your life that the Holy Spirit is trying to convince and convict us of so that we can get rid of it and allow Jesus to cleanse our heart. But our sin can also stymie and spoil other people's lives. Let me share with you why I believe Jesus was so upset about what was going on with these tables. You see, Jesus walks in and these tables were sitting in the temple court, the area where the Gentiles were to go. Now the Gentiles, this was their time to really understand who God was. This was their time to step into the temple courts and say, what in the world is this whole thing? And if you go back to the covenant that God made with Abraham, Abraham's seed was going to grow into many numbers. And they were to be a blessing to the entire world. That was their call. And so these folks were to be a blessing to the Gentiles. As they came into Jerusalem, they were to have space for them to come and to know Jesus, to know the Lord, because Jesus hadn't revealed himself yet, but they were to come and understand what is this sacrificial system. But these guys, because they wanted to make more money and they wanted to be more visible, they erased the possibility for Gentiles to come. They hindered Gentiles from coming to the Lord. Their sin stymied and spoiled the hearts of others. The time when it was the most popular to come to Jerusalem, where they would have the most access to the best rabbis, to the best understanding of what this Passover meant, they were hindered because of the sin of these men with these tables. Your sin can defile and spoil other people's hearts. As you're at work and you allow the sin to just creep into your life, maybe it's greed or maybe it's lies or maybe it's manipulation or it's power, abuse, whatever it is, that sin that's in your life and you claim to be a Christian around those people that you live and work with, that will stymie and spoil people for Jesus. It's incredible how our messy, dirty heart doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. It affects everyone in our sphere of influence. And so it's not just dealing with it on an individual level. Our lives should be and are evangelistic tools that we use to draw people to Jesus. But our sin, if not dealt with, if not uh, properly allowed to, to be taken away out of our life, will stymie and spoil the hearts of others. It's not a matter of could. It's a matter of will. And Jesus was frustrated with these men because they were hindering people from coming to a knowledge of the Lord. As believers, we too, by our lives, can stymie and hinder people's lives from knowing who Jesus is. But then Jesus does something a little bit crazy. right? This isn't a normal response for Jewish rabbis. I can't remember another place in history where something this crazy happened. Jesus, it says, made a cord, a whip of cords. And he came in, and could you imagine, right, this place is packed with people. And Jesus, I don't know where he got the leather. I don't know how he did it, but I think he was going there to do this, so he probably had it in his back pocket. You know what I'm saying? He was prepared to build this whip, and so he just builds this whip together, and he's like, get out of here! Could you imagine? I mean, if somebody came in here right now, and they just started yelling at me to get out of the room, and they were whipping me with a whip, all of you would be like, this is crazy. This guy has gone bananas. That's my favorite word for crazy, by the way. You'll hear me say it all the time. It's bananas, right? It just didn't make any sense. And then he would go and he would overturn the tables of these people, the money changers who were there. And he was like, get out of here. This is a house of worship. This is not a house of trade. So how do you and I, how do we allow our hearts to be cleansed? Well, I believe that we need to allow Christ to, to overturn the objects of our sin. Allow Christ to overturn the objects of our sin. You see the table right here that that symbolizes the table of the money changers. This was the object of sin for those people that were in the temple. This was the object. This is what frustrated Jesus the most. He was saying, listen, this is not supposed to be here. This needs to go away because that is not supposed to be there. That is not supposed to be there. And there are things in our lives that Jesus says, this table, this object of sin should not be in your life. Will we allow him to overturn the table? Will we allow him to throw it off the stage of our life to free us from those objects of sin, those things that lock us into a life that continuously fails and falls into sin because the enemy has so tricked us? You see, these men, who were there with the tables. They believed that what they were doing was good, were helping people, but they missed their own sin. They didn't understand. They weren't allowing themselves to really think through what they were doing as sin, and they pretended like everything was okay. You and I must allow Christ to overturn the objects of our sin. Listen, if we're spending any time with Jesus, here's the truth. Christ will always confront sin. Christ will always confront our sin. Always, if we're spending time with Jesus, we're spending time in the word, and we're spending time in prayer, the Holy Spirit will always highlight the areas of sin, the objects of sin in our lives. Many times we can choose to ignore it. We can pretend, "Oh, that that's really not the problem, Jesus. It's that person." Or it's that thing that just causes me all these problems. It's not, it's, not, it's not a problem. You don't need to overturn that. You don't need to get all upset. You can just maybe touch it and move it away a little bit. But no, he wants to overturn it, my friends. He wants to throw it out of our lives. He wants to kill it, annihilate it. But will we? Or will we act, will we act like Tozer the cat who just does not want to be washed, who does not want to be cleansed? I know you can have that picture in your mind. And my friends, you and I, We can do that, but Christ will always confront sin. In our discipleship, we have an active role in allowing God to overturn the objects of our sin in our lives. Jesus, in the temple, in this scenario, he did it. He just went after it, and and he just threw them out. But in our lives, we can stop him from doing that. We can say, nope, I'm not going to confess that. Nope, that's not a problem. Don't touch that. That area of my life is off limits. Everything else, go ahead. You can tinker with, but not that. I need that. That fulfills something in my life, whatever we think it's fulfilling. It could be that power, it could be that money, it could be that greed, it could be that sex, whatever it is in our lives that needs to be overturned. We need to allow him to do it because he's going to constantly confront it in our lives. Will we allow him to? So I want you to ask right now, ask the Holy Spirit, who are the people and where are the places and what are the things in my life that are hindering my heart from being fully cleansed. I can guarantee every one of us has something in this room that the Holy Spirit wants to pinpoint in our life, that he's saying, listen, this object of sin in your life needs to go. Because you're hindering other people from coming to Christ. You're hindering a deeper relationship with me. You see, God is jealous for our love. He desires deep, intimate relationship with us. The God of the universe who is perfect, he looks upon us who are imperfect, and he says, I want to be with you. But this object of your sin, this area of your life is hindering a deeper relationship. What are those things? And there could be people that are in your life that you know are not supposed to be there, that are causing you to stumble, to sin, to fall, to fail. Who are those people? Where are those places? There might be places that you go that cause you to stumble. And I would challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to overturn those tables, to allow Jesus to take care of that, to allow him to kill those areas and those issues and those things in your life where you could separate from them. Because when you do, your relationship with Jesus will grow. It will go deeper and deeper and deeper. There is no bottom to the pit of relationship and depth that you and I can have with the Lord. There is no bottom. We can continue to go deeper or we can stop and say, no, I don't need to go any further. Don't touch those areas of my life. Are we allowing Jesus to confront our sin? Are we allowing him to overturn those objects? I'm going to skip a couple verses and I'm going to go down to verses, verses 18 through 20. And as we're looking at it from this this facet, I believe that the next thing that you and I need to do after we allow him to overturn the tables, overturn the objects of our sin, as we confess and we allow the Holy Spirit to bring cleansing to our hearts when it comes to our sin, the next thing is that we need to do is allow Jesus full authority over all of our lives. Allow Jesus full authority over all of our lives. You see, Jesus, after he did this, he was confronted in verse 18 by the Jews. It says, So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show for for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. Now, that's kind of a weird thing. They're looking at Jesus and they're saying, What gives you the right to do that? How dare you? Who are you to come in here and do that? This is our temple. We're the Jewish leaders. We say who can be in the temple and who cannot. Who are you? You're some random rabbi who just has this group of people that's following you. You're not even really that important. Ooh, you made wine. Big deal. Who are you? What gives you the right? And he says some kind of riddle that really kind of made them upset. He's like, well, you know, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. He's like, that's my authority. That's the answer to the question of my authority. And they look at him and they're like, it it took us 46 years with hundreds of people and lots of money to build this temple. You, You think you could do that in three days? And he didn't even really answer their question. To them, they didn't think that he answered the question, but the issue was about authority. And my friends, in our lives, when it comes to cleansing our hearts, the issue is about authority. Who has the authority in your life? Who's driving the car? Who's in charge? Who's in control? Is it you? You're going to wreck that car every single time. I will wreck the car every single time time. In order for us to have a cleanser, we must confess our sins and he'll purify us, but then we need to continue to allow him to be in authority over our lives. It is a daily process. In the scriptures it says, may I sanctify you through and through, which means it's continual. It doesn't just stop. Oh, yes, I confess my sins. Well, guess what? The next day, maybe the next week, maybe the next month, you're going to stumble again, and there's going to be dirt on you that needs to be cleansed in the bathtub of the blood of Jesus Christ. Will we continue to allow him to be our authority? It's really difficult. I'm not going to pretend like this is easy. Allowing him to have authority over our lives is not easy because there are parts of our life that we don't want messed with. There are things in our life that we say, no, that... I Just don't touch that. I, I want that. I don't want that to change. I don't want that to, to go away. No, I don't want to go here. I want to I go here. I want to do this with my life. No, I'm not going to give you that authority. But my friends, Jesus knows better than we do. Theology 101, Rob Reamer always says, is that God knows what he's doing and we don't. He's smart and we're not. If you look at the scriptures, we are constantly referred to as sheep. Have you ever seen a sheep They're really, really dumb, right? And that's not God offending us. He's just saying, listen, I know you're going to wander off and you're going to run into some random wall or you're going to say, hey, wolf, you're my friend, and he's going to eat you. What he's saying is I'm the shepherd. I will protect you. I know where those things are. I know where those wolves are. I know where those cliffs are. If a sheep was left to its own device, it would leap off of a cliff. It's that dumb. It just doesn't see. It doesn't know. So, we need the authority of Jesus because we are just sheep. We need Jesus. We need Him to be our authority. And He claims that the cross is what gives Him the authority because the cross consumes sin. The cross consumes sin. I love that that visual just eats it up. It swallows it up. It's gone. It's no longer there. But will we allow him the authority to do that? You see, Jesus said, listen, do you want to know my authority? Well, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to raise again. Beat that authority, punks. Can't handle that. You can't even touch that. That's what he was saying to these guys. He's like, "You, you just don't even get it. And they didn't. Even the disciples, it says later that after he rose again, they're like, oh, duh, that's what he was saying. Man, how did we miss that? Well, Jesus in the book of John consistently over and over and over and over again says, I will die, I will rise. I will die, I will rise. And they never got it. You see, sheep are dumb. They didn't get it. They didn't understand until later. But he said, my authority is in the cross. Listen, religion will always avoid conviction, but relationship will allow it to happen. If we say we're religious, and oh, I'm just so good. Well, when the conviction comes, we're going to avoid it. These guys, they were profiting. These, these, these Pharisees, they were profiting from these guys. They were selling oxen for $500 and the Pharisees were like, give me 100 of that, bro, come on. I'm letting you stay here, give me that 100. Or as they say today, give me that hundy. It means 100, you might not know that, but that's, anyways, might be over everyone's head, probably mine too. But he's saying, just give me that, and they were profiting from this. But when Jesus says that, they don't even say, yeah, we were wrong. They're trying to push the whole thing off, and many times we do that too. We don't allow the cross to consume our sin because when we're confronted with it, we want to have a religious attitude about it and say, no, mm mm-mm, I'm too good. I'm not doing that. It's not my problem. But when we're welcomed into relationship, we understand that we need the cross to consume our sin. No one is perfect. The only person that ever walked this earth that was perfect was Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And so we need the cross to consume our sin. Are we allowing him to cleanse our heart as an ongoing process, giving him authority? Let me move on now back up to verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17 says this, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take the things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. And I believe what we can capture from this, it's not supremely exegetical. So for those of you who are really hermeneutic exegetical, this is a little bit of a side road, but it means similar things to what Jesus was saying. So trust me. It says, what I believe in order for God to, uh, to cleanse our heart is that we need to continue to keep watch over our hearts. Continue to keep watch over our hearts. Let me explain what I mean. The Greek word for zeal is zelos, and it means to have a deep concern for. The disciples look and they saw the zeal that he had for the house of the Lord. He had a deep concern for the temple. He was watching the temple and he was watching what was happening. And it was no longer a place of worship. It had become a place of trade. It had become a place of robbery where people, the poor, the Gentiles, were being hindered from knowing who God really is. People's sin was stymieing their ability to know God, and we do the same. And so we need to have a deep concern for our hearts. If you look at the scriptures, our bodies are the temple of the Lord. It changed from the temple to the temple. And so we need to continue to keep watch over our lives. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, keep watch over your life so that you do not lead other people into sin. How do we allow God to continue to be the authority in our life when we have to continue to keep watch? David has a prayer in the Psalms where he says, O oh Lord, show me any area in my heart that needs you. Show me in my heart what's wrong. Where am I broken? He prays that prayer because he knows that it's continually happening in his life. That's a prayer of continued watch over his heart. Show me the places in my heart that need healed. Show me the areas in my life and the sins that are going against you. God, show me. Show me. And King David, we know he messed up a lot, but he did a lot of great things. And I believe that that particular psalm was written before Bathsheba because he had a heart after the Lord. He wanted to continue to have his heart close to the heart of God. Are we continuing to keep watch over our life? And here's one of the great things about community. As brothers and sisters, we can help one another. We can keep watch over one another. We can challenge one another to keep watch over us. Now, in religion, many times it will be, I see the sin in your life. Man, you're so bad right now. But we ignore our own. Thus, Jesus gave that really funny story of a guy with a, a log in his eye trying to help someone get the dust out of their eye. If you picture this, Jesus was really funny. There's a book in the 70s called The Humor of Jesus. It's just, it's funny. So what he, the image is this, that there's this huge two-by-four coming out of this guy's eye, and he's trying to look at the guy's eye that has sawdust, and he's whacking him in the head. Right? If you try to get close to somebody with a two by four, you're going to smack them in the face. You're going to whack them in the head. Jesus was saying, listen, you can't even get close to look at the other person if you're not dealing with your own stuff. So I'm not saying don't deal with your own stuff, but we can hold one another accountable. We can say, you know what, I want you to be my accountability person. I want you to help me continue to keep watch. Ask me those questions. Where are the places in your life that are choking off the life of God within you? Who are the people? Where are the places that are hindering your relationship? Where are those areas that are dirtying your heart that you're not allowing God to cleanse? Those are really tough questions. And if we begin to live in honest community, we can deal with those issues truthfully. And that's church. That is church. Church is not just worshiping on Sunday and going away feeling like I've learned something. Church is life on life where we deal with one another's stuff and we say, you know what, I'm gonna call you out. Please call me out. And I've hoped that I've been developing that with our staff and with our elders. I say to them all the time, listen, if I do something, call me out, please. And some have taken, up, taken, uh, taken the, that, that, uh, that advice for me and that's good, I need that. We all need that. We need to continue to keep watch over our lives so we don't lead other people to sin. And Jesus, in verses 18 through 22, let's go back to that. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show for us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed in the scriptures scriptures, and the word Jesus had spoken. What I believe Jesus is saying about how we can allow him to cleanse our heart is that we need to understand that the cross brings cleansing to our hearts. The answer of Jesus' authority, of what right he has to cleanse our hearts, is the cross. The cross gives him the authority. It gives the power of cleansing. That we are bathed in the blood of Christ and we are washed white as snow. That's a constant theme throughout the entirety of scripture. Even at Passover, that was the understanding. Is that the sacrifice of these animals, the blood that was being spilt, will cover over the sins of the people. Jesus, when his death happened, it was forever. In the Passover, it was only for a time. And he's saying, my authority for cleansing comes at the cross. The cross is what brings it. My friends, there is no sin in your life that God cannot clean. There is nothing in your life that the cross is powerless against. The cross is all-powerful over all sin because it was won and done. It was over. Signed, sealed, delivered. The power of the cross is the authority of Christ's cleansing. If you've never embraced that, if you've never received that, today is a day that you can change that in your life where you recognize there's some defilement, there's things in my life that I just can't deal with. And if you've never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is that day. And if you're saying, you know what, I've known Jesus for a long time, but I've never really allowed him to cleanse my sins. I just came to this place where I said, yeah, I'm a sinner, Jesus, forgive me, amen. Now, there's so much more than just that prayer. It's a constant cleansing. It's a constant process of being deeper in relationship. with him a constant process of being made holier and holier and holier it does not just stop at conversion that is the beginning discipleship is a continual process and if you know there are things in your life that need to be cleansed today is a day to deal with them there is no person who cannot be cleansed by the cross none of you in this room is too bad None of you in this room is too unwanted. None of you in this room are, are, <laughs> are disqualified from the cross for no reason at all. Each and every one of us has the capability of the healing and cleansing power of the blood of Jesus because he said so. He made it so. Done. Have you embraced that truth in your life? And I pray, my prayer has been all week that the Holy Spirit will highlight areas in your life, objects of sin in your life that need to be overturned. And so at this time, I know we don't regularly do this, but I think the Holy Spirit sets up moments, sets up times where the scripture is so real that we cannot just walk away from it and leave. We have to deal with those issues now because the Holy Spirit might be saying, you need to deal with this object of sin in your life and you're sitting there convicted and convinced that you need to wrestle with it. And then you leave and you have brunch or lunch and all of a sudden you go home and you take a nap and then you watch a show and you forgot about it. And so I want to give us an opportunity to deal with this stuff now. And so if I can have the worship team come on up and the elders and the elders' wives that feel comfortable to come up and pray for those of you who are ladies, come to the front. You don't have to kneel at the altar per se, but you can tap someone and say, please, I need prayer. Because this idea of releasing the objects of our sin, allowing God the authority in our life is not easy. But I do not want us to leave this room today not wrestling with those issues. And if you know that you've never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you have never experienced the cleansing power of his blood, come forward, have someone pray with you to understand it, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and to allow the blood of Jesus to cover over your sins. I'm gonna pray, and then I ask that you will come, and the elders and the elders' wives will pray over you and pray with you. Don't miss This moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will be with us. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that the objects of our sin today will be overturned, that we will choose to come forward, that we will choose to ask you for your cleansing. Father, I pray for transformation this morning, that we won't leave this room until we have asked for your cleansing. In your name.